0: Good morning. The famed Tuskegee Airmen, the first African-American fighter pilot group in World War II's Army Air Corps, has connections to Indiana. Let's explore that. When you hear about the Tuskegee Airmen, or see a P-51 fighter plane with its tail painted red, you might think that's the only aircraft they flew. The first black pilots in American military history flew more than single-engine, single-seat fighter planes. Tuskegee pilots also flew twin-engine bombers. These were bigger aircraft with a flight crew of four to six members, but the bomber crews faced a different battle than the fighter pilots. Four squadrons of Tuskegee-trained pilots formed the 332nd Fighter Group. They flew P-51 Mustangs to escort bombers and attack ground targets. The squadrons flew from bases in Tunisia, Sicily, and Italy. The first enemy aircraft claimed by a Tuskegee Airman happened on July 2nd, 1943, when a member of the 99th Fighter Squadron downed a focke wulf 190, the most effective Luftwaffe fighter of the war. The pilot was 1st Lieutenant Charles Blakesley Hall from Brazil, Indiana. Their training started at an airfield near the Tuskegee Institute. Training black civilian pilots began there before the war. The region enjoyed good flying weather much of the time. Another reason for selecting Tuskegee for training was because the area presented a segregated environment. This was in step with the Army's segregated training policies of those times. Daniel Hallman of the Air Force Historical Research Agency, wrote that one of Franklin Roosevelt's promises during his campaign for a third term as U.S. President was creating opportunities for black pilots in military aviation. The War Department followed through in 1941, but their training and unit assignments were segregated. He also wrote that white officers were the first commanders of flying units composed of black pilots. The first black officers to command came later. The most famous of them was Colonel Benjamin Davis, Jr. He was a West Point graduate and later became the first black general in the Air Force. When Colonel Davis took command, the 99th Fighter Squadron had become part of the 332nd Fighter Group and was based in Italy. The 332nd logged a total of 112 enemy aircraft destroyed. Three of these were the Germans' jet-powered ME-262, making these Tuskegee Airmen among the few Allied pilots to take their propeller-driven P-51s up against the Luftwaffe's high-performance fighter. The German pilots took notice of their combat skills, giving them the nickname, the Black Birdmen pilots of 332nd got another nickname, the Red Tails, because the tails of some of their planes were painted red. By the end of the war in Europe, they flew 1,800 combat missions consisting of 15,533 sorties. In June 1943, when Colonel Davis assumed command, the 332nd Fighter Group and the 477th bomber group were combined into the 477th composite group. He was assigned the task, untangling the problems facing the 477th, problems that began from the day the bomber group was activated. Understanding how they came to be starts and ends with the tensions around policies of segregation. Those tensions reached a breaking point when the bomber group was stationed in Indiana. The Army Air Force organized a bomber unit in mid-1943 called the 477th Bombardment Group. This group consisted of black flight crews and ground support teams. They were assigned the B-25, a twin-engine, medium-weight bomber designed by North American Aviation over 9,800 B-25s were built for World War II duty. The aircraft is perhaps best known for the Doolittle Raid on Japan. The raid happened in April of 1942 when 16 B-25s launched from the Hornet aircraft carrier. The B-25 endeared herself to flight crews for her safe, forgiving handling in the air and her sturdy build the aircraft could take a tremendous beating and keep flying even with one engine out what crews complained about was the high noise level inside the plane the b-25 was so hard on the ears of its pilots that many suffered some hearing loss despite the flight crews of the 477th bombardment group having an airplane to meet their combat needs they never got the chance to fly in any combat theater. Reports published about the 477th mentioned the indifference of the group's white officers who used their postings for moving to higher ranks. Consequently, one report said the 477th represented segregation at its worst. The 477th moved from airbase to airbase, never receiving enough classroom time for training the flight crews, splitting squadrons among different airfields. For example, they were moved from McDill Field in Florida to Godman Field in Kentucky, then two airfields in Indiana, Freeman Field near Seymour and Atterbury Field near Columbus. The reason for two fields was that Freeman had the facilities for housing the unit, but its ramps and runways were too small for the B-25 bombers they flew. The unit's aircraft were based at Atterbury. They were in the Hoosier State for a single month. But it was long enough to make history. What became known as the Freeman Field Mutiny symbolized unit commander Colonel Robert Selway's disregard of the War Department's regulations forbidding segregation of public spaces. That included Freeman Field's Officers Club. It was here the officers of the 477th took a stand. Faced with separate and unequal facilities, the officers presented themselves at the White Officers Club on April 5, 1945. They were denied entry but brushed past the White Officer on duty to get inside the club. A publication issued by the National Park Service in 2016 said that over 60 officers of the 477 were arrested the next night for attempting to enter the White Officers Club. In response, Colonel Selway issued an order assigning officers to clubs by race. He went further to include segregation of housing and dining halls. He then demanded black officers sign statements agreeing to the order. Over 100 officers of the 477th refused to sign the statement, amounting to a refusal to obey an order from a superior officer. In time of war, it was an offense punishable by death. These officers were placed under arrest, transferred back to Godman Field in Kentucky, and held under armed guard. Godman Field also held German prisoners of war. Just as the Germans had noticed the flying skills of the Red Tails over Europe, they noticed the treatment these officers received in their own country. The German officers of war were quick to ask, Why are you fighting for a country that doesn't want you? Testimonials from black service members in World War II convey their understanding of a double consciousness, that is, the duty to serve their country while knowing their service would not provide them with full access to society back home due to Jim Crow segregation. The Double V campaign, which meant victory at home and abroad, promoted the fight for democracy overseas and at home for black veterans returning from the war news of Selway's orders, the arrest of officers from the 477th, and subsequent charges spread through the press, labor unions, and Congress. Army Chief of Staff General George C. Marshall eventually ordered the release of the officers, but this wasn't the end. Colonel Selway lost his command and was replaced by Colonel Benjamin Davis. The Army brass judged him as the right man to lead a force that combined the fighter and bomber groups in two, 477th composite group in late may 1945 army air force commanding general henry arnold replaced the white officer group over the 477th with black officers commanded by colonel davis plans were made to send the b-25 group and the fighters at godman field to the pacific to fight the war against japan but the war in the pacific ended before they could deploy It took until 1995 for removal of letters of reprimand placed in the personnel files of some officers. Following the charges being dropped in their cases, others were removed upon request and a pardon issued for one officer whose case went to trial. The Tuskegee Airmen received the Congressional Gold Medal in 2007 in recognition of their unique military record, which inspired revolutionary reform in the armed forces. In the end, the story of the Tuskegee Airmen has many chapters, with only two described here. First, the fighter group, who flew into history as the Red Tails. They were fierce defenders of allied bombers against enemy aircraft and potent destroyers of enemy ground positions. Second, the bomber groups, waged a successful battle against racial indifference and segregation. The Tuskegee Airmen overcame the harshness of racism in the military by exhibiting bravery and courage during times of great peril. Their actions gained them the respect of military and political leadership and their fellow service members. Air Force historian Daniel Hallman summed up their contributions this way. The Tuskegee Airmen fought two enemies, the Nazis overseas and racism at home, and truly fought so that others would be free.
1: I'm Stephen. I'm the writer-producer on Tuskegee Airmen in Indiana. I was in the introductory film uh, that you saw with Owen, and for clarification, I was standing on the left. We're often confused. I tell people he's taller than I am. Pastor Brooks and I are delighted to be here and uh, have a chance to show you our film. Um, We're both going to talk about it from slightly different perspectives and then we're glad to take your questions. One question I often get is, where do you get the inspiration for a film? And the answer is, it's everywhere. Um, I had gone to the chopstick house out on Evansville's east side and I was waiting to pick up a to-go order and uh, a story idea came to me there uh, for a, a Chinese restaurant and some of its regular patrons. Um, Other screenwriters or filmmakers will tell you that they'll wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, jump out of bed regardless of the hour, and start working it out. The process for documentaries is a little bit different. Um, We were just talking about a project uh, that our shop's going to be working on, and the basis for it was a YouTube video I saw uh, about the Velvet Revolution in Czechoslovakia. Uh, it was a 20th anniversary ceremony for that and uh, there were some elements of that that we believe we can, we can make an interesting film from. To get more specific about uh, Tuskegee, it started with a North High School student's senior history project. Um, he had two interests. His name was Caden. He had two interests, aviation and World War II. And at the time that he was in school, I was at the Evansville Wartime Museum as the director of exhibits and design. So he called into the museum. We got connected. We had our first meeting in March of 2019. We weren't exactly sure where to begin helping him. He he had the idea of World War II and aviation. Somewhere along the line, somebody in our group found a story or some information about a unit of the Tuskegee Airmen being in Indiana during World War II. This was news to us, and as we've been working on this, we find it's news to a lot of people in our area. Um, We dug into it a little further, we found uh, a lot of information, a few other films that had been made, some exhibits, and that's where we set our sights on making that. Um, We were able to uh, uh, through his history project, through our research and a and a film pitch, uh, have a film uh, made based on uh, all of those elements. We didn't get everything done in time for Caden to present it uh, at North High School, but we did have enough visuals and content that he got an A on the project. Um, it took us another couple of years to get the film made, and um, that uh, during that time, Uh, We had a chance to look up all the arresting visuals that you've seen, work on the script. Uh, We worked with Dr. McLeod at U of E and then the uh, uh, administrator of the uh, Evansville African Museum and and brought all of their insights um, into the project. In fact, it was two years ago today, to the date, that Tuskegee Airmen in Indiana premiered at Memorial Baptist Church, just a short distance from here. It was the last Sunday of Black History Month. Pastor Brooks had seen the film 10 days earlier and asked us to screen it for the morning congregation. And I think we can agree it got a very good reception. Since then, the film has been screened at festivals here in Evansville, in Bloomington, and twice in Indianapolis. As we mentioned in our earlier film, there was a handful of films that were selected uh, regarding black history that were also Indiana-produced, and they were shown last weekend in Indianapolis. There's something else I'd like to mention that shows the continuing legacy, the continuing connection of Tuskegee with, with today. Last year marked the 75th anniversary of President Truman's signature on the executive order integrating the armed forces. A military officer who is now chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Charles Brown, Jr. gave a speech on that anniversary. General Brown was the first black chief of staff for the Air Force and only the second black chief of staff for the Joint Chiefs. General Brown noted the most famous example of integration in the armed forces came from the Air Force. He then referenced the Tuskegee Airmen saying that their progress is what made it possible for him to stand before that audience and give that speech that day. Now what he said here really gets to the core of what he had to say. None of us decides to grow up to be something we've never seen before. Just think about that for a moment. General Brown also said he hoped that his career and those of many other people of color rising through the ranks of the armed forces would eventually be, in his words, less remarkable. He said, I hope one day progress will mean that there will be no more firsts to be celebrated, that we we are all left celebrating each other's achievements as fellow Americans. Thank you, and I'll turn the floor over to Pastor Brooks.
0: Good afternoon. I, uh, I really, Steve Witte gives a very insightful presentation. And so um, I, I just want you to remember a few things about uh, the Tuskegee Airmen. In particular, altogether there were 992 pilots that graduated from Tuskegee Airfield. They flew 1,578 missions and 15,533 sorties destroyed 261 enemy aircraft and won more than 850 medals. And I found out recently that um, one of my great uncles was actually trained there as a mechanic and then ended up uh, finished his career at uh, TWA in Los Angeles. And so that was a long way for a young man whose grandmother was a slave at the Bowers plantation in Robertson County, Tennessee. And uh, here he was a part of the Tuskegee Network and then went on to become a mechanic. Uh, I am one of these people who has has always loved history. And so I I think that uh, the greatest danger to Society is for us to not share these stories of heroism that are all around us and a part of the American fabric. And so I I hope and pray that we will continue to tell these stories to inspire generations yet unborn. I think it's critical that they know that uh, our country is a outstanding country. It's not perfect, but it is, this is where the Lord has placed all of us to serve And this country that we live in is great and wonderful and has so much potential and opportunity. Why? Because people from all stripes have been able to contribute to its ongoing success. And so I'll open it up for questions. Uh, I want to thank, again, publicly, Steve Witte. Thank you, sir, for allowing this country boy to uh, participate in the narration of what I think is a very important part of our history. And so, Steve, if you'll come on up here, because uh, they might ask a question that I don't have an answer to, and, uh, and, and so I always yield to the uh, intelligent one, amen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're overwhelming us, aren't they? They're in the back. Hi, Adrian and Steve. Two good people, two good people of good friend. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you have any comments over the fact that our Secretary of Defense now is a black person?
0: Yes, sir. I I think that it shows the continuing progress that our country makes. Um, That's that's one of the difficulties today is that um, I don't think we celebrate the achievements and accomplishments of those who have come through uh, some very trying uh, environments to succeed, uh, there seems to be a lot of emphasis on the things that divide us instead of the things that really ought to unite us. Obviously, I won't be running for any public office. Uh, (laughs) But I just think that there is some exploitation in in some of these networks that prevent us from really enjoying the opportunities that are presented for all of us to reach full potential in this country. I'll tell you what my biggest surprise was, that the Tuskegee Airmen had spent time in Indiana. That That was a huge surprise because we had always focused on their development at Tuskegee, and, and and I had the opportunity to uh, during the inauguration I, this is a joke, some of you may not like it, so, okay um, I had the opportunity of having some really good seats during the inauguration of Barack Obama, because I'm from a red state, and when you're from a red state, the red state politicians don't want to go, so you get great seats <laughs> So, so <laughs> So as a result of my really good seats, uh, I sat with some Tuskegee Airmen along with my father. And in that seated area were all of these distinguished gentlemen whose stories I, I got to hear and who actually knew about the incident in, in Indiana. So, I, so that was something that had been passed on to them that some of them were, were aware of. Uh, the roots of Tuskegee's time in, uh, in Indiana. So uh, this, uh, this was very inform- informative to me. And then uh, finding out later that I had a great uncle that had also been trained. Those gentlemen, one of the things I learned about so many veterans, in World War II in particular, they were so patriotic, yet so unselfish and they they didn't talk a lot about the sacrifices that so many of them made and so it's that's why i think it's been difficult to to really garner some of the stories these rich stories that we are finding out is because they were they just they thought this is my patriotic civic duty i do this and that's what they did and they didn't want a whole lot of attention on it these were heroes as a matter of fact, um, Mr. Rollin Eccles, who was a part of this group, was a World War II veteran. My next door neighbor. People used to wonder why this young black guy and this old octogenarian white man were running around town together. It is because we both had a, a, a love for history and, and we would share our findings. So if I found something out, I would say, did you know about this? And he would say, no, I didn't know about that, but did you know about this? And and so we, we both found it mutually beneficial to share with each other our historical findings. Again, an example of we have so much that should unite us, but we're letting so many talk about the things that I think sort of divide us. We're a quilt. And You know quilts don't work if you don't have all the patches. My my favorite impact story is uh, one of my young people, um, uh, Jakhaya, is a student there at Tuskegee, and so I think that's I, thought, I think that's right, and she is a recipient of uh, the scholarships that we started with the AMB Foundation. So if there is a proud moment, it is. Uh, as a result of her exposure first to this, then, the, of course, you know they Google everything. So they, they Googled and and found out more information about HBCUs, and, and so she is now uh, part. And then for those of you who are from our area, you remember Mrs. Maddie Miller. Mrs. Maddie Miller was a graduate of Tuskegee. And so now you know that our community has benefited greatly from Tuskegee, because of the product, Maddie Miller.
1: Um, the film that you saw, uh, Tuskegee Airmen in Indiana, is on YouTube uh, at the Specify Creative YouTube channel, and you can watch it there uh, for free. Um, Pastor was mentioning about uh, the stories of veterans and that how they are sometimes reluctant to tell those stories because sometimes it's a matter of audience, it's a matter of timing. Another of our films, and thank you for teeing this up, uh, was um, called Never Lose Hope. And it's interviews with eight veterans from uh, a nurse uh, who was in England on the morning of D-Day and heard the airplanes fly over, uh, all the way up to uh, those who served in the war on terror. Um, It's uh, about a 45 minute film but what we heard, and we were talking about impact, some of the families of these veterans uh, were, were telling stories that their own families had never heard. You know. And there were, there were other elements of it. So it, it can be very moving and insightful um, if there's somebody in your family who is a veteran or somebody who's considering uh, military service.
0: And it was a lot of fun. I mean, we learned a lot. But at the same time, it was a lot of fun, um, and I mean, um, he agreed to this contract that I presented with, you know, all of my needs and, you know, this huge salary and everything. I mean, it was, it was tough negotiating. I mean, well,
1: you know. the second mortgage came through, so we were, <laughs>
0: were able to take care of it. For the record, I was free. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, I think, I think it's important the work that, that Mr. Whitty, Steve, does. It's, it's so critical to our total community, not just a particular group, that we hear these stories of patriotism and how individuals who came from some incomprehensibly terrible environments, but who believed in the Constitution and the American ideal and was willing in spite of what they were being subjected to daily, were willing to go and sacrifice their lives for this country. I I think, to me, that is ideal in terms of patriotism. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And so any kid, black, white, Hispanic, red, whatever the case may be, could be inspired by, no matter where you've come from, you, if there are certain things that ought to motivate you to come beyond yourself and see the greater good that you can help bring into fruition in society, uh, regardless of how inconvenient it is, uh, I, th- I think there's this, this unselfishness that is a part of the American tradition that just isn't highlighted enough. There are some great American patriots who've done wonderful things in our country, uh, and our kids need to know about that. They need to know more about that than they do about TikTok, to be very honest with you. Thank you for joining us for this week's program. From all of us at Midwest Communications Evansville, make it a great week.